0: Welcome to the Girl Gang Craft Podcast, where we dive in deep to all things business, wellness, creativity, and activism for artists and entrepreneurs. We talk with impactful, female driven companies and founders for an inside look at the entrepreneurial experience, where you'll come away with tangible steps to elevate your business. Are you ready? I'm your host, Phoebe Sherman, founder of Girl Gang Craft, artist and designer and marketing obsessed. We're here to learn together how to expand our revenue, implement new organizational techniques, and cultivate best business practices as we work towards creating a life, doing what we love. Let's get started. Hello, creators. Welcome back to Girl Game Craft, the podcast. Welcome, welcome. We have a great episode today with a dear old friend who I used to do theater with like way back in the day, and she's doing some really cool things. Um, But before we get started talking about Chelsea and her cool things that she does and hopping into some conversations about grief uh, and also acting and also uh, content creation, we're really covering it all. But before we hop into that, um, if you're listening at the time that this episode comes out, we have uh, our next Salem Craft Fair is July 22nd um, at Old Town Hall and Derby Square. So if you're a local in the area, come on, come on out. Uh, And we are going to take a little break after this episode. We're going to take a little podcast break um, to enjoy the summer. I'm also getting married. Um, we're also going through some uh, changes here on the team. So, yeah, just going to take a little summer podcast break. And we're going to come back with a little fall mini season after we get married. Yeah. So let's think end of September. We don't have a, you know, it's not set in stone. We don't have a specific date yet. So check in. You know where to find us, the newsletter uh, social medias. If you're not following me personally, go ahead and do that at Phoebe Sherman. And of course, at Girl Game Craft and my TikToks at Phoebe.Sherman. So check that out. Um, so yeah, we're going to take a little break and we are on the hunt for vendors for our fall winter lineup. So if you haven't applied yet to our Oakland event or our Salem event or our Providence event, go ahead and make sure you get that app in ASAP. We are closing uh, the Salem event really soon. We have that down as June 30th as the deadline. And then we're going to give a little bit more space and time for the Oakland and the Providence uh, applications to roll in. But get that in now. Apply. If you know you're available for that date and you want to participate in any of our Salem, Oakland, Providence events, sign up get that application in uh and at this time we also have our holiday gift guide applications open those are on our site right now so if you are looking to have a little bit more eyes on your work from people who love to support small businesses and want to have want to give intentional uh gifts for winter go ahead and join our holiday gift guide. That will be live on our site from November 10th to January 10th. So plenty of time for the small business loving community to shop. And it's really fun to pass around and to uh, just shop from that digital list. So if you've been wanting to be involved with our uh, events, and maybe you are not in those spaces physically, then the holiday gift guide is a great way to show your work and get your brand in front of folks who want to support small businesses and give gifts for the holidays. It's also really fun to shop yourself. So it's always something to look forward to. And if you're like, Oh my God, holidays are so far away. They're not, they are not. So make sure you apply to all of our events. And if you need some other support, uh, you know, preparing for the holiday season, we have our classes on email marketing and uh, brand partnerships and quick and dirty reels and TikToks and how to throw your own craft fair. So maybe you want to throw a holiday craft fair at your local community center or your uh, a local space that you found. We've got a class for that, too. Uh, OK, I've talked your ear off. So uh, enjoy this episode and you know where to find us. If you're feeling a little sad that we're on a holiday break, make sure you're following us on our socials or maybe listen to some of our older episodes. I, I really promise that you'll get something new uh, from a second listen. Maybe take some notes. Maybe uh, spend this time to, you know, frolic and be out in the sunshine uh, and or to really prepare for the holiday season because that's a busy season for all of us. And we want to make sure that we are making use of that uh, extra traffic and extra sales, and really, uh, really creating an intentional business plan for that Q4. Okay, kisses. Uh, you know where to find me, and uh, we'll be back with this podcast sometime in September. Kisses. Hello, creatives. Welcome to Girl Gang Craft the podcast. I have Chelsea here today, and we go way back, like, way, way, way back to Guys and Dolls in, like, what, the fourth grade. We did a lot of theater together. We share a lot of mutual friends. We shared just one part, Lena Lamont in Singing in the Rain. Yes, double casting. (laughs) So Chelsea's doing some really cool things, and... I'm so excited to have you here, Chelsea, today. Welcome to Girl Gang Craft
1: the Podcast. Woo, thank you for having me. Thank you for being a girl with a gang and crafting. (laughs) Who are
0: you and what do you do? Tell the folks listening.
1: Wow, who am I? We're getting loaded deep. I'm an actress and comedian. I also volunteer as a grief counselor. I'm originally from the Bay, not far from where you are from, in Marin, and I use comedy as a lens to explore grief and perspective. But yeah, the two main things I do are acting and grief stuff. So let's start with the acting stuff, because I know a lot of our
0: community is like, wow, an actor. That's like a little bit different than from a lot of people's world that may be listening. So tell us a little bit about that world and what it's been like for you navigating the world of L.A.,
1: It's a fun and funky time. I studied theater at USC and have continued to live in Los Angeles since. So it looks like commercials, television, film theater, and stand-up. My main focuses are comedy. So the things I actively build and promote are a comedic grief podcast called Dying of Laughter, doing stand-up around Los Angeles that is often grief-based. And it's very much a freelance lifestyle. So often you have a really great year, you might have a slower year, it can ebb and flow, but generally it gets a little better over time. It is very competitive. A lot of people want to do it. So that's, you know, good and bad. Good in that it's fun to have healthy competition and to push yourself. And then it has its challenges when you're trying to make a living and not necessarily doing that. But a lot of artists these days have multiple revenue streams. Perhaps that's relatable to those listening with multiple gigs, freelance life. So In addition to acting and doing commercials, which pays the most, I help artists grow social followings, help them build their podcasts and social media followings, which is something I think is actually fun, bringing your authenticity and your real self to your social media. I know you are very gifted at that and always bringing an authentic perspective to those spaces. I also host karaoke nights for like high profile weddings and events. So I like bring karaoke to like celebrity weddings. I don't know. I've got a lot. of. <laughs> I didn't
0: know that. There. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, I can never post it because it's like private. It's like and <laughs> stuff. But like, it's wild. And by the way, as you would know, people listening would not know that I do not have a strong vocal quality. Like, I'm very confident. I love comedic rapping, but like, I can't actually sing. So the fact that I have that job is in and of itself hilarious to me.
0: So, you can't like name drop any weddings lately or anything.
1: I literally can't, but <laughs> if you wonder if it's happened, it may have I'll leave it there. <laughs> that's hilarious, okay, so let's start with a little
0: bit of your acting, and I'm really interested in also going into the other stuff too. I think a lot of people listening can really understand the freelance life, the multi revenue streams that's something I preach, right? Let's not put all your eggs in one basket and you might like a new basket. You never know. So first of all, acting, what would we know you from?
1: LOL. (laughs) You're like, I'm not a famous actress, but most people are not. I'm currently in Wayfair commercials with Kelly Clarkson, so those are airing nationally. There's been three spots that have come out so far, so that's really fun. I think that might be it, but I can share those with you to link if you'd like. I have one line in this Netflix film called We Have a Ghost right now, starring Tegna Taro, David Harbour from Stranger Things, and my personal fave, Jennifer Coolidge. So that's an example of a really big booking to be in a Netflix film. And at the same time, it's one line. It's short and sweet. It's by no means a lead, but it was really fun to do. I had a small role on Barry, directed by Bill Hader. I've also done commercials for Alaska Airlines, KFC. Facebook, etc. So those are some of the things I'm most excited about. You wouldn't necessarily have known them or seen them, but it's a good time and it's taken a long time to get to the place to work, I would say, semi-consistently. But yeah, you probably haven't seen those things and that's okay too. I remember when your Alaska commercial came out. Was that sort of like your first major commercial? It's a good point. Yes. And I guess I'll say yes and like That's something that everyone saw because it was on all the Alaska Airlines planes for a summer. So if you flew Alaska at all, you had seen it. But it's funny because I've definitely had done a lot of things before then, but it's like people don't know what it is. I'm sure maybe people can relate of like you have this big project or you get a big gig, or you, you know, you sold this awesome painting if you're in the craft world, or you had a really big social media client, but often people haven't seen that. So I had had some successes before that. But like you said, you know, people haven't seen it. So yeah, Alaska, let's go with that as like a first big win. It was really fun. It was one day. It was hard because it was a big paragraph straight to camera. And there was maybe 50 people watching me as I delivered it. And often commercials, you have like one line, it's like short and sweet, but that was like a big paragraph. So that was actually a lot of pressure, but I'm glad it worked out and it was fun. And I'm, I'm just happy it came out.
0: So, okay, how does that work? How did you get that gig? What does the like longevity look like with that? And what's the word? Were you like, not a commission, but I'm such a newbie. What's the Residuals. Thank <laughs> I mean, you. Residuals. What does to, that look like? We want
1: to talk about the payment structure of the entertainment industry. It's an interesting time to do that because there is a massive writer strike due to the lack of income and the problematic systemic issues relating to residuals, which is a whole podcast. But the process is you have an audition that comes through your commercial agents. It is possible to audition without a commercial agent. And if you're interested in doing that, the websites I recommend signing up for are Casting Networks and Actors Access. Those are two sites where you can upload your photos and materials and self-submit, which is something that I still do to this day. I think as a freelancer, as an entrepreneur, it's always important to hustle your own gigs in addition to help you might get from referrals or agents or bosses so i think it's you know part of being like a badass and a boss babe is hustling your own work so that's something i continue to do to this day i do a lot of indie films in different states around the country and that's usually because of a connection i've made or i self-submitted you know my la reps are focused on la jobs which is great but they're often the most competitive gigs so i'm like cool i would love to do this film in arkansas and I'm going to self-submit to do that. So yeah, I think last year I did films in Mississippi, Arkansas, Missouri. I'm on hold for film in Minneapolis right now. So that's really fun to me. Back to your question. The audition comes through a commercial agent. If you are interested in getting a commercial agent, I have thoughts on that. You need really, really strong photos and a little bit of improv experience. The photographer I'd like to plug is Leah Hubner. If you're ever in Los Angeles, I think she's the most affordable and the best. And you can take online classes at UCB or Groundlings anywhere in the country. So if you'd like a little bit of experience, I prefer in person. I think it's more powerful for something like improv, but the fact that these amazing schools do have online options is really cool. So no matter where you're listening from, Groundlings and UCB are the two schools I would plug if you ever wanted to take a Zoom class. The audition comes in. In those days, you would go in person. Now it's usually on Zoom and you Do your thing. You have, you know, the night before you get the material, you show up dressed in character, deliver the monologue. I did it multiple times. Then you come back in a second time for a callback. Then you are put on hold. There's about two to four people that are put on hold for each spot. So being on hold is like really exciting, but then like really upsetting when you don't get it because, you know, you're holding the dates, you're a top choice. And I've been on hold dozens of times and then you didn't get it. This one I happened to get. You go in to shoot. It's about a 12 to 15 hour day for, as you've seen, the spot is 30 seconds. So it's a lot of time for a very short project in the end. And that project was before I was in the union. I'm in the union sag After, which is the Screen Actors Guild. That was a non-union project. So residuals are significantly lower if applicable at all, which is why you want to be in the union. You'll get paid a lot more. I'm telling you my wafer commercials, I'm getting paid five, six, seven, eight times more than I got paid for Alaska Airlines. That said, they did what it's called a buyout. So you negotiate up front. We're not going to give you residuals, but we will give you X amount of dollars. And I do have good agents that were able to negotiate a fair rate. But I will say I'm happier being in the union. The rates are better. And I also qualify you for health insurance, which is very important. And the short sentence I'll say about the writer strike is, Because streaming platforms such as Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon exist, there are no commercials on those platforms, which means there's less advertising, which means there's less dollars for the creatives and the people at the top get all the money. And the creatives, writers, directors, actors get very little compared to what they once did on NBC, ABC, CBS, et cetera. So that's what's in negotiations right now. We'll see what happens. But yeah, that's a little peek behind the curtain of residuals for you. Thank
0: you for that breakdown. I so appreciate it. I had my sister, my sister's also in the, you know, Hollywood world. And I had her record a 10-minute explanation to me of what she did, like, last week when I saw her. (laughs) Because I was like, can you just, like, break it down? I'm so interested. I mean, like, as a business owner, it's so interesting to see how these different, like, systems work, right? And, like, Mm -hmm. oh, can I pull something from this, like, niche? Can I pull something from this? And, like, I don't know. I think it's fascinating. So, anyways, I love hearing all the different, like – Wild things. So, okay, with the writer's strike, like, how has that affect your work currently?
1: Basically, television will be at a halt shortly, and television is kind of like the crown jewel of the business, whereas back in the day, films were. There's a lot of nuance. It depends. But generally, television is the crown jewel of the industry. Everyone wants to do it. It pays well. It's the most exposure. So that is going to be at a complete halt until negotiations can be sorted so you have showrunners directors writers free to live their life go on vacation except with what money because they're not getting paid so the people at the top who have money are like full-on vacation life this summer leaving the country people at lower levels are getting other jobs so yeah television won't exist but indie films and commercials will and theater and stand-up so still involved with stand-up i'm still auditioning for very independent projects which is creatively fulfilling but less lucrative. So it's a good time to hustle your other gigs. You know, I have my next season of my podcast I'm developing for the summer because it's a good time to do that. So overall, there's a bit of a dark cloud over the business when one of the main ways to make money is no longer existing. It's not great. I mean, this is what happened in 2020. People were very mentally unwell for that reason. I ended up taking a job at BuzzFeed during the pandemic. I was originally in their talent program. And I was going in three times a week to film. Then 2020 happened. So it pivoted to virtually. So I was making a lot of discrete content from home, which was actually a really good gig for the pandemic. And then once that contract ended, I took a full-time job as a producer and I made content remotely from home, conducted Zoom interviews, et cetera, which was a really cool gig because I said, yeah, I'm available to work full-time right now. So this is like a mini version of that. It's not as bad, of course, but The world will focus on indie projects until television can sort its prices out. So it's a little bleak. I'm not going to lie. There's a long road ahead because Netflix is such a genius business model. No one wants to pay more for Netflix. Netflix isn't going to all of a sudden charge everyone $100 a month. So it's like, what exactly are they Going to do. And a little bit of this is because the world changed so quickly. You know, technology and AI has advanced so fast. It's not anyone's fault. That said, we need to work with the world, not against it. And people who are at the top of these corporations are kind of like, so what? Like, if they're already making all this money, they're not going to suddenly allocate it to creatives and to people below them. So it's really sticky. But These unions, WGA and SAG-AFTRA, WGA stands for the Writers Guild of America. There's the DGA, the Directors Guild of America, and SAG-AFTRA with the Screen Actors Guild were created to protect artists and to protect creatives. So hopefully they can band together and come up with a reasonable decision.
0: We'll see. So are you still working that full-time job?
1: No. So yeah, I was stopped in 2021. In my normal life, I don't have time to work that many hours with all my other gigs. But because all of my other gigs existed, it was just a way to pivot and be flexible. And it's like, hey, well, I might as well make more money when I can. But no, I don't work for BuzzFeed anymore. So my income is from acting and from freelance social media gigs. My favorite being helping artists be more authentic and grow their followings online. But I'll take other clients that don't have to be artists. I think I can help artists best. And then, yeah, and then like stand up And theater pay very little, like live performance pays the least. I think it can ironically be the most rewarding and fulfilling. So those are things that I do out of love. I think stand-up is like the most fun I've ever had. And unless you're, you know, have a Netflix special, it pays very little. But then my karaoke gigs pay. So yeah, live karaoke weddings will still happen. I do want mitzvahs, kids parties, Netflix rap parties, like all that stuff still happening. So Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. Wait, so is that your own business, the karaoke? No, it's the company. is called Kara Karaoke. So I'm an employer of that company. But it's all women. It's super badass. My quote-unquote own company is when I do the social media gigs, which I know you're very familiar with. So happy to talk about that. But I don't know if that's like boring what you talk about every week. But I'm curious how you like to grow your following and how you bring your authentic self to your work, because I feel like you're very good at being you and bringing your personal life as well as your professional life to your social media. Could you talk a little bit more about that? I love this reverse interview. Well, thank you.
0: I appreciate that. I don't know, man. It is a wild world out there. Like, every day is different with how, like, how much it seeps into me or, like, how much I'm affected by it all. And ultimately, I just try to, like, keep my head up and, like, keep posting and keep trying to, like, be myself (laughs) because (laughs) that's all I can do. And I think it's just been, like, a really interesting shift with, like, the TikTok world. And... Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just like show up. I just feel like I get like downloads and I like write a bunch of things in my notes. And then I'm like, what day? I don't know. You know, I have a whole system. If you're listening to the, my episode before, like I have a batch day. Wednesday is my content day for the most part. But then I sort of like throw things up and I don't know. So do you <laughs> I do um, have a strategy, but.
1: <laughs> no, I want to know about your strategy. So do you film a certain number of videos per week, per month? When you say batch day, tell me. Yeah.
0: So behind this computer is chaos right now because it is a batch day. I'm working on apparel today, apparel shoot. I also have new socks. So we're shooting some socks. Love (laughs) new socks. So there's like sequins back here. So yeah, I'll try and shoot like a bunch of content. And I try to like, be really organized with my folders so like if I hear a cute sound that's fun I'm like okay well this is perfect for my bumper stickers here's my already saved folder that I can just pull into CapCut or whatever and like match it with that sound you know I keep a bunch of b-roll I think the key is you know staying organized with all of your albums or whatever And yeah, I try and shoot a bunch of videos on Wednesday, depending on like what's going on in our world with launches and stuff. I feel like it's been a little bit more willy nilly, if you will, because I've been running all over the place. And so I have a team member who runs our main account and then I run apparel and my personal and our TikTok. So there's a lot of sort of like switching and like mixing and matching. And we use Asana and we use Planoly and we throw things up and, you know, some organized chaos. That's great. So you're actively posting
1: on how many accounts?
0: I guess three. Plus, like, Pinterest. And we have the podcast on YouTube.
1: But that's, like,
0: I'm not, like, doing a YouTube channel properly. And yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it's a lot. I mean, it's It's a lot lot of content (laughs) coming out. And it's being really organized. I've had phases where more versus less content has come out. I mean, yeah, I, I like what you said about staying really, really organized. And I'm sure you've broken that down in different episodes. But in general, you shoot a bunch of content one day per week, and then you assort it into different folders on your iPhone. You share those folders with your team member, and both you and the team member are in charge of posting to approximately three different accounts, plus a Pinterest, plus a podcast. So kind of five different accounts. Yes.
0: Okay, cool. Not on our email newsletter or our blog, you know.
1: (laughs) I'm not on your newsletter, I don't think. I need to, you need to add me. Oh, yeah. Join your
0: newsletter. So, okay, so how did you get into, you know, building other people's accounts?
1: Just like it happened naturally of people are always like, how do you do this? And I would say it's nuanced. Like social media is definitely not my main focus. If it were, perhaps it would look differently. But I am an artist who shows up in online spaces. I think the podcast is the most exciting thing that I do like that. I had an episode come out every week for over two years. That was like my most consistent win. I was like so into it. Then I said, you know, this isn't for me anymore to do it weekly. So now I do seasons. So I have between eight to 16 episodes come out in a row. But then I take a break. And I was inspired by some of my favorite podcasts, Our Seasons. And I actually get really excited when the new season comes out. So depending on where you're at, I think something weekly can feel overwhelming to a lot of people. I'm not going to lie. Weekly is what's recommended to grow a Falling in state.
0: We do every other week because I also, I can't imagine
1: doing every week. But that's still, yeah, no, that's still awesome. Every other week is still like... A really big deal, and anything you can do consistently is huge. But I just always had ideas for people. So I've always helped my friends make Instagram content. And then it just happened really naturally. I started to charge because so many people were asking me. And if I didn't know them, I would take like a quick call for free. I'm like, here's some ideas. But if you wanna, you know, work together more, like, here's what I charge. I will be honest with you, I am not great. With charging, like I'm pretty generous with my time and I like always am willing to help people for free. Like if you have a quick question, like DM me or if, if you can voice memo me your question in one minute and I can respond to you in one to two minutes, like I will always do that for free. But if you want to be a bad B and make like serious cash, maybe don't do that. So that to me, that's like a revenue stream that there's times in my life is like really flowing and there's times I just like have a couple clients because Fun to me. But I always like adding value. So if I can help someone bring their authentic presence to their social media or just alleviate a little bit of stress for them, like I'm happy to do that. And there's also a lot of actresses and artists, I'll say, who are older that we started as a trade. So like they have more connections in the industry. And at first, when I started, I was like, if you can introduce me to Like some people, I will help you with your social media. Like we're talking artists who are like very successful, but you know, they're older, like 40 plus, 50 plus, 60 plus, 70 plus, whatever their age is, they're like, I don't know how to do this. So I'm like, cool, I don't have access to these fancy people. You don't have access to figuring this out. So it was kind of like a trade. So I always say if you want to get started with something like this or your own business, what can you offer for free? And what do you need that doesn't have a price tag? Because for me, being introduced to People, let's say casting directors or agents or producers, there's no price tag on that. Like, there's literally no price you can pay for introductions. So, I started when I was much younger doing that for free. And then as you get older, you're like, okay, I'm going to flush this out and make it more of an official business. But you know, from running your own business, like it's a lot of work and it's like a lot to manage. My biggest tip for people who have their own businesses is using Acuity or Calendly for scheduling. It's just so so much better. So my clients are on Zoom. They can book when they want. Do you remember like back in the day, like before I had Calendly, when I started this, we were like back and forth in text to choose days and times. I'm like, never again. Are you so happy with Calendly or Acuity? Oh my
0: God. I love it. That's one of my biggest tips too. Like do not waste your time. Are you going Thursday at 12? No. How about Friday? No, no. You don't have time
1: for that. And my favorite thing (laughs) is that people can reschedule on their own time because rescheduling happens and i think depending you on reschedule around-
0: today you reschedule today i saw it i got the notification we're good to go
1: <laughs> right and then people can <laughs> always come back and be like hey that actually didn't work but like inevitably there will always be scheduling snafus but you do eliminate a lot of them by being able to pick and choose on your own and because i use calendly for my podcast and my social media clients i always laugh that i made the third tier that's just like generic virtual meetings and when i have some girlfriends who live in different states, let's say, and we want to catch up and that are not good with scheduling. I will literally text some of my good friends, my Calendly. I'm like, don't hate me, but like, this is what we're going to need to do. And I have people that are either obsessed and they're like, wow, thank you so much. Or they're like offended. They're like, who are you? Renata Klein from Big Little Lies. Like what's happening? I'm like, sis.
0: No, that's genius. My friend group would love that. They would love that if I dropped a Calendly link. (laughs) (laughs)
1: sometimes it just solves the trick. And it's like, listen, I reserve it for the people that like cannot get it together. Like if you're one of my best friends, we'll just make it work. But if you're like, we're on like week five of trying to schedule a phone call, it's not happening. You're getting the calendar link, honey. I love it. That's so good. Yeah. So what are some of your current revenue streams? I know you have a lot, but and might be obvious to the listeners, but I'd love if you could share a little bit more about the different pillars you're involved in. Oh, my God. I love this.
0: I love the devil interview, both side interview. Let's see. So we do our craft fairs, and that's for the majority of our revenue. And then we do classes and courses. We have a membership. And then our apparel line and partnerships. I think that's it. Yeah. That's, that's a I lot. Mean, yeah. And then, like, our we do, like, an online directory, which kind of, like, files
1: under our craft fairs. That's so, a lot. And so at this time, you're not doing one-to-one clients. Like, if they want to be involved, like, in the membership or the courses... Otherwise, you're focused on your craft fairs. That's the main thing that you're doing. Yeah. So I do one-on-one coaching.
0: I do offer that. I mean, I also offer like Instagram audits. So there is some like one-on-one ways to book with me. But yeah, people do like one-off coaching. So I mean, I've done group coaching before and like, you know, six-week courses. And that actually did really well during pandemic times. But I think people actually at least my experience lately with our community is that people kind of like want to do like a one and done situation. People don't want to be on Zoom anymore, which I think is unfortunate because I think there was a lot of really beautiful things that happened on Zoom. But yeah, I think people want it a little bit quicker now. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I think it depends. I haven't found that. I feel like people are down for Zoom, but that's because I'm not like, I don't have like a full online business with like a bunch of Zoom classes. So you're right. I think people probably got hit harder or post-COVID, but that's cool that there's ways to book with you. And I just wanted to compliment your craft fairs because I went to one in Los Angeles. It was oh, yeah. so impressive. It was massive. There were so many vendors. I was like, how did you find all these people and schedule them? And like, how does that, yeah, how does that even come to be? It was such a massive undertaking. But it was really impressive. Thank
0: you. LA. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> How do we do it? I don't know. You know, we've been a craft fair for six years now. So people have heard of us through the Internet. We also do some reaching out to people when we're like in new spaces. Like, for instance, we're in Providence, Rhode Island now. And, you know, we're not a member of the community yet. So we do a lot of outreach and ads and like teaming up with organizations to get people to know about our show. And then we have to get people there, which is harder than getting vendors there because Vendors like opportunities, and it's hard to get people to do anything. And that's one of the reasons why we're not in LA anymore, because specifically it's hard to get people in LA
1: to do anything. (laughs) But what are some ways that you get people there? So there's natural foot traffic that people are in the area. So I imagine one of the key factors is finding a location where there's going to be people. But what are you specifically doing on your own to get people there? An email newsletter, social media outreach? What is all of
0: it? So here in Salem, there is a lot of foot traffic. That's one of the cool things about summer here because it's a destination and we're right downtown and there's like always things happening and people are walking around like weather pending but yeah I mean I'm a big Facebook event ads person like I'll throw some money behind a Facebook ad but it's wild like that ad money goes so much further here in Salem than Oakland California like I'll put like three times the amount in Oakland and it's still like maybe half the amount of people like RSVP through that ad versus Salem. Like people over here are a little bit more hungry for it. And then we do like newspaper listings. Like for any event that you throw, you can always post on newspapers for free online. And so you like want to, you know, you want to get show up in that SEO. Like, what is there to do this weekend? And then you want your event to show up. So we do that and then social media, email newsletter, eventbrite. What else do we do? Sometimes we put out ads, like we'll be putting out an ad in one of the Providence magazines for the holidays I think in the past we've done like some influencer engagement and we'll probably do that again for the holidays we also do like a goodie bag for the holidays to get people in the door
1: so cool it's really interesting to hear it's like you know but you don't know and just such a good reminder about newspapers and why do you think there's been more success in Salem than Oakland my theory is that it's just a little bit of a smaller town like Oakland just has so much going on but what do you think i will just take a moment to hear from our sponsors. Repeat
0: after me. Social media is not my whole business. Yes, I preach about creating cohesive and engaging content on socials. Yes, it is important to tell your story and create community, but Instagram is not your business. Likes and engagement are not the same as money in the bank. You want to get followers off your platform and onto your website, right? So they can convert. So you can make money, right? I see so many businesses just focusing on posting and commenting, and they get sucked down the Insta rabbit hole. But these ego boosts of liking and engaging are not money. And your job as a business owner is to make money, right? Here's a question. If Instagram died tomorrow, do you have a business? Do you have access to your followers, to your customers? Instead of being so Insta-focused, think about gathering emails, emails you own, Right now, it is so important to be driving traffic to your email list so you can convert your followers into customers. This is where you nurture your diehards. This is where you make sales. Most of our sales come from our email list and not straight from Instagram. If you don't have a newsletter, start one right now. Start one right now. Seriously, we love Flowdesk. We are obsessed with Flowdesk. The templates are gorgeous. If you've gotten my emails, you have received a Flowdesk gorgeous email. Plus, it is so easy to nurture your audience with automations. And we love automations, right? So we've got you with 50% off for one year on Flowdesk. So it's at $19 instead of $39 for a full year. It's a solid choice. Plus, you get a 30-day free trial. So you can get 50% off for a full year at bit.ly slash ggc flowdesk. That's bit.ly slash ggc, all caps, flowdesk. F is also capitalized. And do you need help growing your email list? Maybe you don't even know what to write in your emails. We've got a class for that. You can go to GirlGangCraft.com slash events and check out our email marketing class. It is so important to grow your list and sell from there. In the class, we'll teach you how to gain new subscribers and what on earth to say to them. Check it out, GirlGangCraft.com slash events. Yeah, and I want to throw in one more thing to the last question too. I'm a big proponent of flyers. Like flyers are not dead. A paper flyer goes a long way in a public place. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Well, Salem's interesting because it's a small town, but there's still a lot going on here. There's always... First of all, there's tourists. So it's just like there's always like a demand for things, activities to do here in Salem. And yeah, I think... Well, in the Bay Area, it got really saturated. There's tons of craft fairs there. And there's still craft fairs here. There's a lot of craft fairs in the Boston area. There's not really like, there's no other fem forward. Well, there's one other women's market actually over here. But I think the political thing hits a little bit harder over here than in the Bay Area. It's a little bit more like seen that, done that over in Bay, in the Bay. And here, it's like, The uterus pin, for instance, that we do is, like, a little bit more controversial or, like, I don't know. There's just, like, a slightly different – I mean, Salem is, like, a liberal bubble, but there's still some non-liberal folks in adjacent cities or, like, nearby or in town or whatever. So I think it's just, like, I don't know, maybe just a little bit more empowering over here.
1: Right, whereas Oakland is – The liberal bubble of liberal bubbles. There's no one even nearby that is not liberal. I mean, that's a generalization. There's, of course, everyone is everywhere. But generally speaking, Oakland is just so liberal. It's like, yeah, we see uterus pins. Like, we are the uterus of the world. Like, we are a uterus. And Salem's like, I'm into a uterus. Like, let me touch the uterus. And Oakland is like, I am a uterus. Uh, Hilarious. Yeah. And it's so interesting.
0: Another like random thing, like, you know, Salem is super witchy, right? So everything's like black and dark product kind of thing. And then our pink product does really well over here. Maybe because it's like different and it's like pink and witchy rather than like dark and witchy. I don't know. So I think it's really fascinating to do location-based business, right? Because it's just different than online. And I think it can be really fun and potent to like have a local sort of business plan and also have an online business plan. And they might be totally different, you know, really talking to people in different spaces can be really important. I mean, like, even like you said, you know, doing LA projects versus, you know, in other States.
1: Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. California is just very saturated. It's very competitive, as a lot of people and a lot of people with similar interests and big dreams and big bucks. So I think it's cool to expand. And how cool that you are bicoastal. You've had experience in California and now on the East Coast. And like you said, you're expanding to Rhode Island. So I think it's awesome. Which on which is let's it. go. <laughs> Thanks, Chelsea.
0: Yeah. So, what are some things that you help your clients with? Like, what are some tips to get more seen and grow your audience and get financial opportunities from social media?
1: Sure. Oh my gosh, that's own oh, hour. But if I'm going to put it into bite-sized tips. Three content buckets for Instagram. What are the three main things you want to talk about? And for some clients, the three buckets are very similar. Sometimes that's not the case. But you never know who's going to hit what when. So for me, my buckets are acting and that includes promotion. And generally, you want to say like add value 80% of the time and only promote 20% of the time. I totally break that rule. I genuinely believe that's the best thing you can do but it's not always possible. So my acting bucket is like red carpet, promos, shows coming up, headshots. It's a little more glam. I like laugh. I like don't see myself as glam. But you know, we're artists, we're businesses like you have to put your best foot forward. So there's that bucket. Then I have my grief bucket which is a lot more authentic. It's my personal life. Sometimes I combine the two. My for instance, when I do a stand-up show about grief, that's the way that the buckets are touching. This is inspired by losing my dad to ALS when I was a teenager, and my mom also combats stage four breast cancer at present. She did when I was younger as well. So grief and cancer is its second bucket. And my third bucket is miscellaneous, hot tip, but it's like that could be if you have a dog, that goes with the miscellaneous bucket, or it goes with like just something else like funny about your life. I don't do the miscellaneous bucket as much, but like once in a while I call it sometimes with clients, we call it a wild card or miscellaneous. Like sometimes it's fun to just throw something out there, like completely different. And there are people in my life that like only care about my dog and nothing else. Like they don't care about like comedy or my acting. And you're like, okay, but now you know who I am. So maybe you'll come to my stand up show just because you have a dog. So having three different things that you rotate between and just being really, really clear about which bucket you're Tapping into, I also have like a fourth bucket that's comedic videos. That's like, it can just be like straight up comedy. So if you're adding value, you know, reels are really important. So I'd say have your three buckets, commit to which category you're going through and and like going all in. I think some people try and do a post that hits everything. So they're like, today I have a girl game craft and then I have a client and then my dog. It's like, no, what is your post saying? Like have your bucket be fully clear in that post A, do reels. B, if you're too scared, do stories, but putting yourself on video. And then C, for financial opportunities, it's like reaching out. Like I will cold reach out to companies. It's not glamorous. I don't like doing it. I could do it a lot more and probably make a lot more money. But if there's a brand you're excited about, DM them. And if drafting something each time is exhausting, have something that you copy and paste in your notes folder to reach out to brands for financial opportunities. I do recommend changing the first sentence or two to being more personal. I'm not going to lie. I have lazy days or like it's my lazy month and I'm just like, nope, they don't get a personal thing this time. But having like the same thing saved on your desktop for emails and in your notes for DMs and reach out. And I'm also a really big fan of voice memos. So this is just kind of across the board. I think it saves a lot of time. It's a lot faster than an email and more personal and I spent less time so this is something I do in my daily life you know I'm new to dating Uh, that always sounds weird but I was in a long-term relationship for like all of my 20s so even like for dating like all voice memo guys and like if that like scares them it's probably not a fit anyways but it's just like hey it's me like this is what I'm up to this is what I'm about so doing that for brand partners specifically like reaching out hey I'm Chelsea I have a grief podcast I see that the founder of your nutrition bar lost her mom. Maybe there's a way to collaborate. So yeah, have your content buckets commit, put yourself on video reels is the answer. And if it's too scary, at least do stories and don't be afraid to cold reach out and use a voice memo, voice memo. Last thing I'll say, the reason it's so powerful is because it's short and sweet. You don't have to type an email. And also. You don't have to schedule because a lot of brands, you know, scheduling phone calls. It's like they're busy. You're on different time zones. You can just send a voice memo into their DM. They can listen on their own time and respond. And you saved tons of time. I even have girlfriends. We just catch up about dating their life. I don't know what they're doing. Some of my friends have a two-year-old. Some of my friends have like moved to Italy and are on a boat. Some friends are freezing their eggs. Some friends have a new dog. Like whatever the update is, send it to me in a 10-minute voice memo. I'll send one back to you. We didn't have to use Calendly.
0: I love that. I'm a big voice memo person with my friends, but I've never done that for a brand too. That's so smart. Oh my gosh, Phoebe, I yeah. want you to try it. I'm so curious how that goes for you. I love it. And I love the thing about brand partners. I think it's really cool and everyone should do it. And yes, you have enough followers to do it. This is, I'm just like, what in my house do I need right now? I am doing, I'm not getting paid for this, but I just got an air conditioner.
1: (laughs) Do you tell me about that? Wait, yeah, tell me everything. I need to know. I'm just like,
0: I need an air conditioner. Let me reach out to an air conditioning company and I'm going to do a little brand partnership with an air conditioner.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. And it sounds authentic because you actually need one. So did you reach out and what did your collaboration proposal look like? I just
0: DM'd them. And so my steps is I I want to hear
1: because you have more experience with brand partnerships than I do. So I definitely (laughs) want to hear what you have to say.
0: So I DM and it sort of depends. Like I kind of like to think of my personal account as more lifestyle and GGC a little bit more tech oriented. The air conditioning people do want it on the GGC account. So fine. That's fine. Everyone needs an air conditioner. So my thing is like I DM them. I'm just like, Hi, I'm Phoebe. I'm the founder of and Craft. Like, I think my community of of hot people might want an air conditioning this season. <laughs> like, I think I was like I moved to a new apartment in Massachusetts and I don't have an AC like <laughs> I need it to be cute. I don't know And then like always like what's a good email to reach out to So I do move it to email. I also also comment on the posts like I sent you a DM. I think that's important because people's DMs get like flooded and then they like see who it is right And then so we moved to the inbox and this person I was just like, let me do a reel for you. And like, it depends, right? Like often I want to get paid. Often I want to get paid, but like I needed an air conditioner. So I was okay with a free air conditioner exchange for a video,
1: like fine.
0: (laughs) So anyways,
1: yeah. (laughs) I love it. And they said, yes. And So one free air conditioner in exchange for a reel? One video. Yeah. Cool. That seems sensible, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll watch reels. So it's a valuable tool.
0: Yeah. So the air conditioner is sitting. It's heavy. It's sitting in my living room because it's been cold this week, but I will put it in on the first hot day and do a little video about it. (laughs) So. You go
1: girl. Well, I can't wait to see it. I will (laughs) will comment and have a lovely time. I will like and comment. I'm excited (laughs) for you to try a voice memo and sometimes they can accompany each other. So if you want the formal language, it's like, sometimes you can do a voice in addition, like, Hey, it's Phoebe. Just like, sometimes I say, I guess this is the way we're connecting in today's world, which is awesome. And also funny, but yes, I'm a real person. I just wanted to say hi. It's just like normalizing it. And oh my God, I think it's going to work well for you. I'm excited. I think it's great. I love it. Okay.
0: So let's talk about your podcast. Are you doing like podcast commercial slots for your podcast?
1: So right now I partner with BetterHelp and I partner with a few like BTR bars. Yeah. I have some partnerships. I'm really specific though. I will only partner if the founders of the brand have lost a parent or a sibling because that's my audience. I think ultimately I'm set up for success because people are going to trust and believe me because I'm really specific. That said, if you want to make a coin, like you do what you got to do. So I don't judge anyone. And I always say I'm open to changing that policy. Like at some point I could change it. But right now it's a niche pod. So I have niche partnerships, specifically those who have lost parents and siblings, although BetterHelp, you know, I think is its own category, but I found my therapist better help. So I genuinely believe in it. It's mental health based, et cetera. So there's exceptions, but yeah, that's the bulk of what I'm doing. I haven't seen a ton of crossover from podcast commercials. Like I feel like it's harder to track and I'm not exactly sure what the point is, but for people who have podcasts or thinking of getting a podcast, I think the reason to do it is you're setting your listeners up to know that like some brand partnerships and commercials will be a part of your show. So you're just normalizing it now. So if you grow later, it's not like all of a sudden now I need to do ads. And B, you never know, even a little bit of change like making a little bit of cash here and there is cool. C, it's just like people listening to the same thing over time can have a payoff bigger picture. It's also a way to like cross promo with your Instagram, But yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen a ton of success from mine personally, but I will say I definitely buy stuff that I find out about from other podcasts. So I know it works. Like from bigger podcasts, I have made purchases. So that's where I'm at. I've taken on a few new like affiliate partnerships recently, which is like its own controversial thing because I feel like just getting paid is better. But if some brands want to send me free product and give me an affiliate link, I'm down to try it. I don't think it will always work but at least if you're paid in a product that you genuinely want I'm like okay sure but like I don't know if there's like dog food companies reaching out to me now I'm like okay like I'll try it if my dog like loves your food then I will genuinely listen I will
0: it. take free dog food any day I've been really trying to hustle that with no success so really
1: here. well I actually I mean I can connect <laughs> you with my dog food people if you That's want amazing please do she
0: needs the very best that's oh not God, true. Girl. I don't give her like the raw stuff. I don't no, it's too is. much. Let's, no, let's, <laughs> I don't have money for that. <laughs> what are you
1: doing for your podcast promos? Do you just find like naturally what you're promoting on Instagram like trickles over? Do you make that like a big priority right now? What does that look like for you?
0: Yeah, I think it totally depends. So I definitely use it as like an internal commercial, if you will. So we'll talk about the crafters. We'll talk about our classes. Right. We have a lot of tech partnerships that are affiliate based. Or sometimes they pay us, for instance, Flowdesk. We have a great relationship with them. Adobe, I'm an ambassador for Adobe. What else? So definitely like tech things that go really well with what we're
1: doing. A question, when you say you're an ambassador for Adobe, like what is the main Adobe suite or product that you're using that you find helpful? Because I don't use Adobe that much, but I do use it for like PDFs and like signing things digitally. Is that what you use it for? for? Yeah. Like, I'm curious. I do Adobe Express. You might be a great ambassador for them.
0: We should talk about that after this podcast. But I love Adobe, Adobe Express. Yeah, so they're great. And what else? Yeah, sometimes I'll just, we'll like do like a combination. I mean, my next thing is I'm going to try and like Maybe get some stuff donated to the wedding and offer them free podcast slots. Oh, cool. (laughs) I love that. We'll see. We're just trying things. You know, it's really like hit or miss all the time. Often that slot isn't full, but we'll like throw up an affiliate thing there or yeah, it totally just depends. And how many ads do you do per podcast? Like not more than two.
1: Yeah, I do like one or two in pre-roll and then one or two in mid-roll. What about you?
0: Yeah. Maybe less than that. It depends. It totally depends. And then we do some sponsored episodes. Also, like we did a sponsored episode with ACT Insurance, which is like a craft fair insurance. So that's like super in alignment. What else have we done? Yeah. So it's really all over the place. But yeah, tell us more about your podcast and a little bit more about your work with grief. I know you just came back from being a grief counselor at a summer camp also.
1: Yes, that's, I feel like all of these are one hour conversations. I know, sorry. Just making <laughs> that <them> into little <laughs> tiny bits. But yeah, the podcast is called Dying of Laughter. I interview comedians and funny at heart humans with deceased parents and siblings. It's also expanded into wellness experts. We've had doctors, genetic counselors, funeral directors, etc. So it's normalizing grief through a comedic lens. So it's for people in their 20s and 30s who have lost parents and siblings and also for their friends to find a way to how to support them when they don't know what to say. So yeah, my parents were diagnosed with ALS and breast cancer when I was in third grade. So I've thought about death for a long time. I also had a cousin when I was four. She died when she was nine in an accident at school. And that's obviously really traumatic and upsetting. And I just remember adults sitting me down and how serious that conversation was. I remember her. I remember these thoughts. And then my dad through ALS was paralyzed for over a decade. And that certainly causes you to think about death. And certainly when he died, it allowed me to think about death. So I'm just here to normalize the process a little bit more. It's not to make something really sad. It's not to think about death all the time. And you know, it's not going to be for everyone all the time. But I think it's important to have conversations with your parents about their will. How do they want to be buried? Do they want to be cremated? Where's the money? How do you access their accounts? And you know, having your own will. I've have, I threw a funeral themed birthday party. I've had will planning parties. I've just had kind of like fun ways to access and normalize. Great. So that's what the show is about, and just making it a little less scary. It's also reminding people to take care of their own health. Little tidbits are getting a blood test once a year, checking in on your body. Like, I know people who haven't had a blood test in five years. Like, no shame if that's you, but just getting a blood test once a year, seeing a doctor or gynecologist once or twice a year is really important. Feeling your breasts, doing a self breast exam. All of this might sound overwhelming, but I break it down into episodes. So it's a little less scary. And yeah, my mom, you know, she was diagnosed with breast cancer for the second time when I was 25, stage four breast cancer. And so my sister and I thought, you know, we're not going to have parents. And like, what the fuck are we going to do about that? And I didn't have a community of people who had lost both their parents. So I decided to create the community myself. Fortunately, that is not the case. My mom's been doing well with her cancer for the past six years. That said, you know, it's nuanced. She's at UCSF. She has really great care. Not everyone has that. And then cancer is so unique and specific. And some people's cancer will go quickly. Some will last a long time. It's best case scenario that her cancer is lasting a long time. Because if it didn't, that means she would have died. But it also brings up, you know, just a lot of other things to constantly be worrying about. I will say it's gotten a little less constant over time. It's not the main thing I think about all day, every day anymore. For the first two to three years it was. But unfortunately, slash fortunately, I consider myself an expert with parents with long-term illnesses. Like that's just my unique experience. So people started calling me and wanting advice and it's really, really personal. And a lot of people don't want that broadcast, but some people do. So we you know, have those conversations publicly for those who want to do that. And other things that I do, I volunteer as a kids' grief counselor every year at grief camp. I'm in a one-to-one mentorship program, which is the equivalent of the Big Sisters program, but specifically for families impacted by cancer. So I've been in a one-to-one mentorship program celebrating our three years. Actually, today today is the three-year mark of I've been with one child specifically who lost her mom and did not have a dad, and that's its own hour podcast. And I lead virtual grief groups online to the dinner party. There's a lot of grief shit that I do. But yeah, if you have a parent who gets diagnosed or you just like want to talk about cancer or death, shoot me a DM at dyingoflaughterpodcast or an email dyingoflaughterpodcast at gmail.com. I'm happy to just listen and normalize your process. Lots of info. Those long winded. But yeah,
0: I'm a grief gal. I love it. I love talking about it. I think that's so cool. I think it's so important to have that outlet for yourself and have that community for yourself and for everyone else. I'm sure the same thing.
1: Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's heavy. Like, listen, I've taken breaks too. Like I said, I used to be weekly and for you know several reasons, I just was like, this is a lot. So now I'm at Seasons and it's like an own break for my mental health. I mean, I'm never fully on a break because I'm always stacking episodes like behind the scenes, but like publicly promoting grief and loss and death every week was a lot. So yeah, if it feels heavy, like that's cool. It is heavy and it's not for everyone. And if you don't want to think about it, like that's okay too. But there's certain, there's just, there's certain things that I've been exposed to through my personal experiences that I've been like, holy shit, why don't people know this? Like, why don't we talk about this? And also their friends in their thirties call me sobbing uncontrollably because their grandmother died and let me say like grandparents are extremely important and you can and should sob. It is unbelievably tragic, any loss. And yet are you sobbing nonstop for a year because your grandma died? Like maybe that's something we need to look at as a society because best case scenario is your grandparents die and before you. And if you had them till you're 30, like that's technically a good thing, but you know, it depends. It's all sad. It's all hard. But my last grandparent also died when I was In high school. So, just, you know, all my grandparents had died, and then my dad died. And I just thought, like, this is hard. This is weird. And as American culture, you know, we put people in care homes rather than care for the elderly. So I think it's like less present. Like, other cultures are caring for the sick and the deceased and the elderly. So they have more access to death for better or worse there's someone that might be dying in your home like eight-year-olds live with their great grandmothers and see it firsthand and our culture is more like care home and like the grandparent lives somewhere else and we also as a society we move we don't all live in like the same small communities we grew up in which is generally a good thing but sometimes it can feel removed so I'm bringing the dead grandparents a little closer that's what I'm doing just kidding but kind of not Okay.
0: So one big last question for you. Like, how on earth did you balance this all? And what do you do to take care of yourself?
1: Love it. Balance and self-care, baby. Balance is, I would say, like, it depends. I mean, probably like people listening who have different jobs or maybe like you're also a mom or you're also a dog mom or you have different revenue streams. Like, every day is different, which is exciting, but it's also can be it has its challenges. Like I think if you have one main focus, one job, like you can go farther faster. So I would say how I balance is I focus on my main tasks for that day or that week. And like, that's my focus. And I'm not going to get to everything every week. I'm like, that's okay. So just be nice to yourself if that resonates with you. In the morning, I'm a big fan of I I write down either the night before, if you're trying to fall asleep and your thoughts are buzzing, I write down my tasks for the next day of the night before, or sometimes I do it in the morning. So I have three main tasks today that I want to accomplish. These are the three main things I need to hit. And then I have three bonus tasks. So it's like, these are the three things that need to happen for sure. Here's the second three things that could happen. And I balance it into like tech, creative, and personal. So like, Tech is, like, all the business stuff and, like, emails I need to send. Creative is, like, when I have auditions, stand-up, like, or writing. So maybe if you're, let's say, not an artist but you're a content creator, like, creative would be, like, videos and brainstorming and, like, more of the creative side of your business. Maybe maybe your newsletter is your creative side of your business. I don't know. And then my personal tasks are just, like, I need to book doggy daycare, book this flight. Like, that's, like, the boring stuff. But I feel like the personal tasks and the booking and the calendar, like, that I think people can get stuck in because it's like easiest to do but that stuff I do at the end of the day because like I don't want to be spending my day just like booking flights and appointments it's like appointments will come but I think like if you can tackle your hardest task first so the creative stuff doing it first thing in the morning or at least in the first half of the day is powerful and if not then not like you know our days get crazy I'm also a big fan of 25.5. 25-5. So I do 25 minutes of work, five minute break, 25 minutes of work, five minute break. That's another way I stay balanced and stay organized. And I also, last but not least, have a theme of the quarter. So for instance, like, is my quarter focused on developing new stand-up material? Overall, that's the main theme. Or is my quarter the new podcast season? It's not to say my podcast isn't happening all the time, but like when it's not launch season, my podcast is on the back burner and that's okay. And for self-care. I'm a big fan of foot massages. They're 20 bucks compared to like $200 massages. So I love a foot massage, Jollyfoot in Los Angeles. I'm um, not sure where else I would recommend, but like look in your area. Is there a $20 foot massage you can get? I think it's so powerful. Big fan of walks. I don't have time for like crazy hikes. I'm not like so, so, so athletic, but like even walks and Zumba are really helpful. I walk my dog. I have a new dog. You know this. You also have a relatively new dog. What else can I say? I don't know. Like I love cooking. That's not for everyone, but like that's therapeutic to me. And then I guess the last tip I'll share is voice memoing is a way to be social even when you are by yourself. So like I have days where I work from home. I have days when my dog can't be left alone. So I have entire days where I'm like, I'm home all day today because I have my dog. I take her and we can go to the grocery store. We can get coffees with people, but I have home days and I'm like, okay, I need to be social. And a voice memo is a way you can connect instantly with someone else and it somehow scratches the itch, even if they don't respond right away. I mean, they're not going to respond right away. Though. I
0: love the voice memo thing. Should that be the title of this episode?
1: Yes. I'm a Chelsea obsessed. and voice memos. <laughs> I think I've converted like everyone I know and I'm going to convert you. So, yeah, those are my tips and tricks. What about you? How do you take care of yourself? Oh
0: my goodness. How do I take care of myself? I'm doing ceramics, I go to the gym. I invested in a nice gym. We got the hot tub. We got the sauna. We got the pool. So we're covering all the seasons here too. That sounds lovely. And I'm a big walker and coffee. And yeah, I go to the dog park twice a day. So
1: You do? Oh my gosh. Does your dog love it? Does she run around
0: like crazy? So it depends who's there. She's like picky. She like has her friends and otherwise she's eating sticks. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like hit or miss. I have to like time it at the right time. Like we went at noon and Rufus was there. So we're good. We're normally good for hours after that. And sometimes Matt
1: does the evening shift. Sometimes we both go. So it depends. Okay. Just really quick while you're here. So yeah. my dog's a stalker. Like there's the expression stage five cleaner, like she's the stage 12. But I, as part of our training, like I close the door in meetings. So I'm like, you can smell me, you know, I'm here, but I'm going to open the door and see if she runs in. Let's just see. Oh, my God. She would never do that. God, okay. She wasn't there, which is actually good for her training that she wasn't just at the door. So who knows where she is? Okay, continue.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, she would get really pissed if I shut
1: her out. But She's but right then here. you can leave her can leave for her. hours. So that, I like, can leave her. Yeah. How, how many hours a day do you leave her, would you say? Well, I mean, I don't go very
0: many places. <laughs> So I love we, can, we can leave her for six hours, you know, like if we're going to Boston or something. Yeah. And but if me and Matt are like out together and one of us like separates from the other, it's chaos. Like if we're like all on a walk and like I go into the store or something, like it's bananas. She goes crazy.
1: Wait, she needs the two of you to be together?
0: Outside. Yeah. If we're outside oh. the house, we have to all be together. Yeah.
1: See, and then, dogs are so entertaining. They all have wild. something wackadoodle. I love it.
0: And then, like, I can't leave her in a car. Co- like, if I just go and – I mean, I do. Like, if I go rent and get a coffee, but, like, she is barking and so upset the whole time.
1: I always tell people, though, but if you can leave your dog at home, God bless. And I'm going to get there. I'm not there. I'm going to get there. But, like, yeah, I could leave her in a co- – like, a coffee, fine. Like – out in public fun. It's like, but I love when dogs have weird things. Like that's so weird that you guys have to be together. Just quick sidebar. One of my best friends who's from Mill Valley. Do you know Ava Friedman? She went to Tam. Why would you? I don't think I met her till I was later in life. But anyways, she's had a small dog for like seven years. Like to me, I'm always like, wait, now that I have a dog, I'm like, wait, people have had a dog for seven years. Like since they were like 23, like that's wild. She's had this dog. Anyway, she's okay. She just, you know, now she's in a serious relationship, moved in with her partner. Great. Has a boyfriend. They all live together. But now when they go on walks, all three of them, her dog is stoked and runs and is so happy. But when she just walks her dog by herself, her dog is no longer down with that. And she's had this dog for like seven years. I'm oh, like, why? Why does your boyfriend need to That's be? The I don't know. Isn't that so funny? I just love shit like that.
0: I mean, my dog loves Matt more than me for sure.
1: Really? Is Matt the number one?
0: (laughs) Matt's the number one. I'm with her more. She's my child during the day. And why does she like Matt more? I need to know. I don't know. We could ask her. Love. Okay. Well, this has been so great, Chelsea. Can you tell everyone where we can find you?
1: This was so fun. Thank you, Phoebe, for having me and for the community that you've built and continue to nurture. I'm on Instagram at Chelsea who else? So that's like, who else would it be with Chelsea? So at Chelsea, who else? You can also Google Chelsea London Lloyd, or my podcast is at dying of laughter podcast on Instagram, or feel free to drop me a line at dying of laughter at gmail.com.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Girl Gang Craft podcast. Head to girlgangcraft.com slash podcast for show notes and more. See you next time.